0: Com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning in. God bless. Welcome back to through the book. Those of you who have tuned into our last five episodes know that we've been going through the book of Mark. And that the point of the series through the book is to actually take you through books of the Bible and look at the actual context that the author was trying to get out whenever that original book was written. Today we're going to continue where we left off in Mark chapter 2 starting in verse 23. And if you remember last time, we discussed two questions out of the four questions that I mentioned that were being discussed there in Mark chapter 2 all the way into chapter 3 verse 6 when we were talking about Jesus and we hit on the first two questions last time I'm not going to hit on them again for this show for the sake of time you can go back and check out episode 5 if you want to check that out episode 6 today we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 2 verse 23 all the way through chapter 3 verse 6 so once again we've got a short bit of context but there's a lot in this and we're going to get through the last two questions that were asked in these particular passages. Today I want to go ahead and get started by taking a look down there in Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 23. And I want you to key in on something here, and that is the attitude of the Pharisees. And as we've been reading this text, you've seen that the Pharisees are basically out to get him. And if you know what we talked last time, we talked about Jesus' popularity had grown up into the point of the discussion last time. And now we're realizing that not only is he becoming popular with people, but he's also becoming popular with critics. And we talked about the fact that critics are always going to be there. And the Pharisees now are watching Jesus' every move, trying to see a point that they can point out for him to mess up. But I want you to key in on the fact that the Pharisees here are actually a religious People that are stuck on rules and traditions that some of which they have come up with in their own book of the law because they're trying to set such a high standard that it's almost impossible for any man to live by. And Jesus has come to simplify that and just to show us his true power as God and the true reason God has sent his son to this planet. So starting there, in Mark chapter 2, verse 23, it says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful, on the Sabbath. I want to stop there for just a moment and I want to discuss the fact that the Pharisees here, once again we said a second ago, are actually looking for something to accuse these men of that are following Jesus and to accuse Jesus of. But can I show you a scripture real quick before we continue that is going to bring this verse right here to light and this question, the third question, why do they do what is unlawful on the Sabbath, to a new light. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and it's verse 25. Let me just show you something real quick out of our scriptures because Jesus is getting ready to point this out to them here in just a second. It says, if you enter your neighbor's grain field, you may pick kernels with your hands, but you must not put a sickle to their standing grain." So what we've got here once again is the Pharisees trying to find a flaw, but basically I wanted to point this out because Jesus is getting ready to reflect on this in just a second, that the law permitted anyone, particularly the needy, To pluck ears in a neighbor's field, as long as they didn't use a sickle or as long as they weren't actually harvesting their neighbor's grain, they were more than welcome to pluck, especially if they were in need. That is one of the standards of this society that was so amazing because it was so much about helping your neighbor in need, if at all possible. And there's several stories in the Bible, but I don't want to get off track. Maybe we'll take a look at some of those stories later in a different um, book. But right now, I want to key in on Mark. Here, and let's go ahead and get to Jesus' response there in verse 25. It said, He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the king or the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man. Not man, For the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And that concludes there in chapter 2. But I want to go ahead and talk about this scripture for a second. I want to point just a few things out before we decide to continue here. And the first one is that immediately when they bring up this question of what's unlawful on the Sabbath, Jesus brings up a story that can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 6, which we're not going to look at today for the sake of time, but it's speaking of. David eating the consecrated bread and approaching the priest, which is only lawful for a priest to eat. And if you go back to Leviticus and the laws and things, you're going to see that the priests were the only ones allowed to eat that. But David came in and asked for bread. And at that time, in the actual story, in verse Samuel 21, it was Ahimelech that actually shared that consecrated bread with him. But the reason they mention here Abiathar the high priest is because Abiathar is believed to have been the high priest. There's a few different interpretations on why that transition is there. I don't want to talk about those today because I don't want to get off the subject of where we're trying to go. But just know that Abiathar is actually Ahimelech's son. And he was also a high priest in Israel. But the one that David actually approached in the story, if you go check it out, in 1 Samuel 21 verses 1 through 6, once again, is Ahimelech. He's the one that actually shared that with David. But the point is that David wasn't just a hungry man who was after something to eat. He was the future king of Israel. Not only that, but he was the ancestor of the Messiah. And if David can go ahead and eat the bread that has been consecrated, how much more is Jesus, the actual Son of God, allowed to have that authority and allowed to have that ability. But I also want to point out here that when the Pharisees are asking these questions, they're kind of like those people that you all run into in day to day life who are always trying to figure out, trying to point something out that they think you're doing wrong. The people that always think they're right about everything, you know what I'm saying. You know those type of people. And they always are trying to point out your flaws. So they look for things. And the Pharisees here would have considered this to be harvesting and a violation of the the Sabbath, But really, all Jesus and his men did is as they were passing through the field, they plucked some grain, which was totally legal by the Jewish laws of that day. So I wanted to go ahead and point that out to you before we move on, that it's a matter of pride. And it's a matter of these Pharisees trying to find flaws to show their own authority and make themselves look better than they actually are. But remember, they came up with their own set of rules that were added totally onto God's rules. And that's a whole different story for a whole other time. But they're in a book and they're written out. And these men were looking for flaws. So they're the guys that are always pointing down on you, trying to tell you what you're doing wrong, to try to keep you below their level so that you don't you know, get too high on the, on the scale. But really, Jesus and his men have done nothing wrong here. And Jesus is simply pointing out the fact that, hey, you know what? David did it, and because he had favor with God, he was able to accomplish it. How much more favor does the Son of God or the Son of Man have? And right down there in verse 27, he said, "...the Sabbath was made for man." And not man for the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The second thing I want to point out is that God intended the Sabbath to be a gracious gift, a release from the necessity of seven day toil, so that anyone who interprets the law as to make the Sabbath a burden or to inhibit the free course of God's mercy merely reveals his own ignorance of God and his purposes. Basically what all that just said is God created the Sabbath so that man would have a day to rest because he knew man was going to need that day of rest, rest after toiling all week long. So God created the Sabbath for man and not man for the sabbath so the sabbath isn't a list of rules god created the sabbath to help man out and this is what jesus is trying to point out here so he also said there verse 28 so the son of man is lord even of the sabbath the third thing is that that particular statement that we just read this statement boldly affirms that as lord the son of man is the one who decrees what is lawful and unlawful, permissible and impermissible, and any customs ordained by the Pharisees or their traditions are thereby rendered null and void. Because Jesus' authority surpasses those or that of the Pharisees. So Jesus being the son of God, he wanted to make sure to point out once again that The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So guess what? If I say that this day is a day for rest and my men want some grain as we're passing through a field, because I'm God, because I'm God's Son, I can do that because I have that authority as God. So that's something else that gets pointed out here. We're going ahead and moving into chapter 3 now. And we haven't done this before on the show, but I want you to know that we're going to go ahead and read the first six verses of chapter three, just to kind of conclude the thoughts, because there's one more question that we want to point out as we continue reading here. In Mark chapter three, starting there in verse one, it said, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse him, and the some of, um, some of them that's referring to there is the Pharisees once again. So they watched him uh, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. So right it once again looking for have you ever been around people where you feel like you're walking on eggshells? Well, I want you to know here that Jesus doesn't react like that. But some of us have been in the position that Jesus is going through here. But because Jesus is who he says he is, because he's the son of man, because he's the son of God, because he is God in the flesh, Jesus isn't intimidated by These guys trying to stand around and look for a fault in him. Because it says, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, and this is in verse 3, stand up in front of everyone. You see, now we get to this point where they've had their time of questioning. They've constantly been questioning Jesus on certain things. And you get to the fourth question, and I want to point out that the fourth question isn't a question that was asked of the Pharisees to Jesus. It was Jesus Asking a question to the Pharisees because Jesus has said, okay, that's enough. Let's just see how these guys respond. And I want to point out that Jesus always can go back to the scriptures to back himself up with what he's doing. And we're going to do that here in a second. But verse 4 says, then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. And I'm going to stop there for just a second, because I want to point out a couple of things that just happened. Once again, Jesus wasn't intimidated by these men standing around trying to look up for a reason to accuse him. So Jesus, this is one of the first... miracle here is the first time we've seen jesus actually have someone stand up and he didn't say your sins are forgiven or any of that a lot of that is interpreted here but he just basically told the guy to stretch out his hand but before he did that he decided he was going to ask a question to the pharisees and i'm going to point out here in deuteronomy just a second why Jesus asked this question because he was testing their knowledge of the scriptures if you go on over there to Deuteronomy chapter 30 which is where we're going to look up the answers here Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 15 through 19 I want to show you something once again in your Old Testament Deuteronomy 30 15 to 19 says see I set before you today life and prosperity death and destruction For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And I want to stop there, just just verse 19 there, to point out the fact that Jesus is basically questioning them on some scripture that is interpreted. Jesus is questioning them on, okay, so what is lawful? So what's what's lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or or to kill, but they remained silent because they didn't know how to answer Him. God s- similarly told those in the Old Testament that He laid before them a blessing and a curse, and He wanted them to choose the blessing so that they could have life, but these men are so stubborn and the term that you see here where it's talking about the deeply uh, distressed to their stubborn hearts, that's talking about the fact that these men no longer are trying to hear the truth that they have reached a point to where they are looking for ways to accuse. They're looking for something to accuse him of wrong. It doesn't matter that he's walking around doing miracles because the Jews in that day believed that only God could heal. So there was no denying the fact that Jesus had healing power, which is part of the reason that they probably remained silent their hearts were stubborn. They weren't seeing that anymore. Now they just wanted to find a way to get rid of this Jesus guy who was taking away their thunder, so to speak, maybe, in in the world that we talk about today. Have you ever had someone steal your thunder? So basically, he's stealing their thunder. He's coming around, he's doing all these things, and they're, they're trying to get people to feel lower and abide by all these laws, but this Jesus guy shows up and just starts healing people, and he just starts forgiving people, and this is just bothers them so much that they have reached a point that Jesus is trying to give them one more chance to repent from what they're doing and just see the light, see the truth. He says, which is lawful to do on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill. But they remain silent. So Jesus looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed in their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. Once again we said he didn't waste any time with this miracle. It's not like he he prompted it or anything. He had the man stand up. He said, stretch out your hand. And that was it. Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath. The Pharisees were trying to find a way to condemn that. But really, with Jesus' question, if God's about blessing us, then they've really got nothing to say. Because they don't know how to answer the question Jesus has given them. And then verse 6 says, then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus jesus so they have reached a point now to where there's no turning back they're tired of this jesus guy stealing their thunder or whatever you want to say and they are out to get him so they get with the or herodians and they get together with them and now they're trying to plot a way to have jesus killed so the focus here is on what jesus's presence means for the observance of the holy days clearly the messiah has not come To commemorate the Sabbath, but to save life. Remember, Jesus said that the Sabbath was created for man. It was created to give man a break. It wasn't created, man wasn't created for the Sabbath or those rules that you're trying to get these people to live by. But God created the Sabbath so that man could have a day to rest. And Jesus said, regardless of whatever you guys think over there looking at me, judging me right now, I'm going to heal this man because it's what God does, because he loves man. You see, I want to read this quote, and I get this quote from the commentary series that I've been using for this series, and I'm going to go ahead and advertise that at the total end of it, but it's the NIV application commentary. And here's a quote that I've taken from it, once again. It says, Other religions are the result of a human search for God. Christianity presents itself as God's search for God for humans, even those the world deems the most unworthy. And that is what we are about at Next Level Freedom Church. Our vision statement is reaching others where they're at. Because it's not about people getting their lives cleaned up and then coming to church. It's about them coming to church as they are, finding Jesus, accepting Him as Savior, learning how to live for God, and then God making and shaping and molding their lives as they grow in their walk with God. Because they're not nobody's going to start out just loving God and then you're going to expect them to love God and then come to church. That's not what Jesus is doing here. And I stress this, I believe it was last time, because we're talking about the fact that Jesus is pulling tax collectors, He's pulling these people that the world just sees as rejects, and he's going to these people, and he's there to reach them. That is what we have got to be about as believers and as Christians. And anybody who expects people to clean up their act before they come to church is in danger of exercising the same religious attitude that the Pharisees have here towards Jesus. Because it's not about people getting cleaned up and then finding Jesus. It's about Finding Jesus so that he can help you get your life cleaned up. And that's what we're about at Next Level Freedom Church. That's all I want to get at today. I've done hit the 20-minute mark I've none went past, so I wasn't planning on being here that long today. But I thank you guys that have been out there watching. I thank you for tuning. Um, tune in next time. We're going to go ahead and continue our study of the book of Mark. But until then, this is Trenton Cruz saying God bless.